Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Human Capital Institute's Nine to Thrive HR. I'm Alan Mellish, and I'm your host. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone to rate and subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Today's episode is brought to you by HCI's 2020 Talent Acquisition Conference, and you'll want to join us on June 22nd through the 24th. To learn more about the conference and the themes we're going to be discussing there, just navigate to www staconference.com. My guest today is Chris Bailey. Chris is a productivity and performance expert and best-selling author of Hyperfocus and the Productivity Project. Chris, welcome to 9 to Thrive. Good day to you, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. So as people might have inferred from the uh, mention of the conference there, Chris is going to be one of our presenters there, one of our keynotes at the, Wait, at the event. Really? <laughs> yes, oh. I did. Uh, we're, we signed the contract oh. uh, just this morning. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so, but uh, we reached out to Chris because uh, I think everybody, uh, especially in the recruiting community, can, can relate to his message. And so what I want to do is give Chris an opportunity to tell us a little bit about his leap into the world of productivity and and some of the things he learned along the way. So Chris, why don't you just tell everybody how you got started with this whole thing? Yeah. So like many of the people listening, perhaps, I've always been a bit of a, a curious nerd about this subject of productivity because we, we only have so much time every single day. And so why not use the hours that we have and try to accomplish a bit more within them? And, and why not try to extract more meaning uh, from those hours as well. And, and so that obsession took me uh, to the point at which I graduated from university. Um, and I received a few full-time job offers at that point because I'd worked uh, a bunch of uh, internships at Fortune 500 companies up to that point. But I thought, if there's ever a time to, to actually experiment with something that I find uh, deeply meaningful, in my case, that was productivity, it was then. And so I thought, okay, I'm declining these jobs and I'm devoting a year of my life to uh, becoming as productive as, as humanly possible, to uh, exploring this subject of productivity, you know, human performance in a workplace type of environment, to see what makes us tick, to chat with the experts around the world, to do experiments on myself where I use myself as a human guinea pig, doing everything from living in isolation for 10 days, which people are unfortunately all too familiar with right now with the current uh, global global happening that's that we can get into. Uh, but from that to meditating for 35 hours in a week to working 90 hour weeks, all in an effort to push on the boundaries of what I was able to accomplish mentally, physically every single day and to share lessons for how people can do the same. And so that's that's where I'm coming from. It's from that. It's It's very much um, you know, my approach is about experimentation. It's about the looking at the science of human performance, because if productivity advice isn't grounded within science, what's it really based off of it? It, it has to be grounded in reality. And so it's combining that experimentation plus the expert advice, plus the research to, to come up with, uh, with ideas. Yeah, and I think that's really uh, the human guinea pigging thing. I think obviously is uh, part of what uh, part of what got people curious about you. I think because you did start publishing uh, a lot of this in in articles and blog posts and such. So I guess that's that's a great a great place to start. So um, of course we're going to be talking about productivity and hyper focus at the event. 
don't you why don't you give us a, a few a few thoughts on what you actually learned from from that research? What were what were some of the big takeaways that uh, that people might not know about in their own um, research into this topic? Yeah, yeah, especially with with regard to focus and how we manage our attention. There, there's so many misconceptions around that idea. And, and frankly, and it's tough to admit because I make my living as being a quote unquote productivity expert, but it was after my first book, The Productivity Project came out that I noticed a, a truth within myself that made me honestly uh, a little bit uh, uneasy with, with how I was acting. And that was that I was quite distracted throughout the day. I was tending to social media throughout the day and email was always on my screen and and hijacking my attention away from more important matters. And I I was just distracted in in a level that I wasn't comfortable with. Um, And so that got me curious. Okay, if I'm falling victim to this same trap, I was, mind you, giving advice that we should tame distraction and resist distraction before this point. Obviously, that wasn't really working for me. And and I needed to do uh, something bigger and deeper. And so it was that realization and kind of being able to admit that to myself that set me on this course of it, of looking into the science of attention. So essentially what, what folks can expect from the session uh, this June is, uh, is that deep dive. Is, are those curious lessons around the science of attention, around how, just how we can get our brain to focus on what's in front of us? And that's especially difficult right now. You know, it's, it's tough enough in the best of times, let alone when we're when we're in a COVID crisis, you could say, um, and so it, that that's what I intend and, and plan on digging into. It's a fascinating subject. If I can give one key lesson that I learned from that project, from that experimentation, it's that it's that the state of our attention determines the state of our lives. Uh, it, it really matters more than almost any other ingredient with regard to our productivity, with regard to our creativity, with regard to our overall life satisfaction uh, is how well we're able to manage our attention. Uh, so the state of our attention determines the state of our lives. And so by managing our attention more thoughtfully and strategically, uh, we can become that much more productive, creative, and, and have a life that feels richer with meaning. And so I'm going to dig into uh, the tactics of doing that uh, in the session. Yeah, excellent. And that's important because I find that, especially when I need to do something that takes more thought, you, a lot of the time it's writing involved or something involved in something that were a, a more complex problem that requires maybe a more complex solution, or there's a simple solution, but I need to go through a couple of steps to find it. So it Sometimes that takes a really long time because I'm not as focused, but sometimes I can get to it pretty quickly if I'm firing more on all cylinders. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's that deep focus, right? Anybody can focus on on Twitter or or on the news or on uh, refreshing the news these days. Uh, But but it's the people who are able to, you know, be patient with themselves almost as the as you as you delve into something that's an important task uh, that are more productive than everybody else and so the question is how do we get to that point um, especially these days yeah and so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that because I think there's a lot like you alluded to there's a lot of things going on right now um, you think? yeah just <laughs> yeah just a little <laughs> and so like uh, you know number one obviously, is uh, there's uh, a lot of justified concern about the virus. And I think there's a, a, but I think 
probably if you asked people, they would admit, and they were honest, they would admit that they're, it's taking up so much of their attention that they're not uh, with things that they can do nothing about. Like for the vast majority of us, all that we can really do is uh, stay up on, you know, uh, stay relatively aware of what's going on in the news, maybe not minute by minute, but at least, hopefully you know, not. yeah, yeah, but at least you're, you're aware of, oh, okay, um, you know, the city I'm in, just imposed a new ban restaurants and uh, and everything are only doing takeout and delivery okay that's that's helpful information or if they're telling everybody shelter in place i figure out what shelter in place means by, by the I, way uh, are you gaining weight during this uh, <laughs> this whole thing I, i've gained like three or four pounds because of all the the delivery food i've had here plus I'm not walking <laughs> around town and stuff <laughs> yes yeah there's yeah. uh i did i did stock up pretty well at the grocery store but there's been a little more a uh, little more sushi rice in my in my diet a little bit more tacos. Well, you want to support the local businesses don't that's you? right yeah i'm, the, I'm doing my patriotic duty I'm, that's right man yeah. yeah this is our responsibility yeah so but there's it, it, so there's all of that going on and so it's a matter of like how do I how do I not let this take over all of my mental headspace because that's fruitless that doesn't help anybody and at least of all you and then and then second of all a lot of us are uh, have not, are not used to working from home and now have to and so that's a different environment as well so let's let's talk about that a little bit specifically yeah so it's a challenging situation with with regard to our attention. Uh, and so what I would start by saying is that these aren't normal working from home conditions. This isn't normal working from home. Um, and so it's worth beginning this conversation with a little reminder because we're often so tough on ourselves when, when we struggle to focus or, or be productive. And so it's worth just reminding people that it's okay if you're not as productive as you usually are right now. Everybody's kind of in this same boat together. Uh, it, it's okay if you're finding it uh, difficult or impossible to focus. Uh, if uh, worries about the current situation do uh, do seep into into your consciousness throughout the day as you're trying to focus, it's, un- it's okay if you can't um, understand what, what's going to come next. Um, you, you know, so productivity is often the very last thing on some people's mind during a crisis like this. But that said, you know, we still do have the, the same demands throughout the day on our time, our, uh, on our attention, uh, on our energy. And so within these constraints, you know, just keep in mind, be kind to yourself. You know, it's everybody's kind of being pretty tough on themselves right now. Oh, I've gained five pounds eating so much pizza and, and butter chicken and sushi rice this week. Um, you know, we, we have thoughts like this, but it's okay. We're, we're going through a global pandemic and, and things like that can be expected. But, but, but there are kind of some strategies that we can deploy that do two things at once. First, uh, they help us be a bit kinder to ourselves. But second, they actually do help us become a bit more productive and focused. Uh, and, and so, you know, I've written down a, a couple of them here ahead of our conversation today. Um, and, and the first one is it's going to be difficult to focus. And so give yourself a bit of time to settle into more important tasks and just be patient with yourself. Uh, and so a busy mind usually makes it difficult to focus. So you're, you're going to need a, a couple more minutes than usual to settle into important tasks that require 
a higher degree of concentration, you'll probably uh, need that time so your mind can settle. So during that time, just set a timer for a few minutes. Don't open the news. Don't you know, scroll to refresh every app on your phone. Just give yourself a few minutes to settle into a task um, and just try to do that one thing and know that it doesn't matter how slow you work because what you lose in speed, usually we, we make up for in how deliberately we're able to work on a task, right? You know, five minutes of slow concentration is often worth more than then 10 minutes of bouncing between a bunch of news applications and social media websites. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's advice like that. Like if you feel anxious, do work that doesn't require deep uh, concentration or deep thinking. Catch up on email right after you check the news uh, because your mind will be a bit busier and email will uh, weight you down into focusing on uh, on work and, and get yourself into that mode. And also so, something that I'm, I'm personally finding helpful, because this is a uh, new territory for focus for me as well, is to use the mornings uh, to do something slow with your time. And, and so, you know, we're, we're not commuting anymore because our commute is 10 steps away <laughs> from, from, from the kitchen sometimes. Um, and, and so just calculate how long your commute is usually. So maybe it's an hour. Use that time for something slow uh, in the morning. Maybe uh, pick up a book that you haven't picked up in a while. Um, cook a nice breakfast for your family. Fire up uh, YouTube and do a workout video. You know, it, we, can, we, we can use this time for something slow and not just allow uh, distractions such as the news to fill our, our day. Yeah, as you're saying that, I, I relate to that uh, a, a good bit because I, I do work from home normally and make breakfast and do a workout and do some other stuff. Um, but on the days where, you know, let's just say I've got a lot going on, I got a lot to plow through and I get up first thing and, uh, you know, and just start working, it feels, I don't know, um, Everything's everything feels like a little bit worse and a little bit harder for the. And you rest don't feel of the in day. control. No, no, you're just like you've ch you shackled yourself to the computer too early, and now you can't get up from it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, you know. There's kind of uh, I, I like to call it the guilt of not working <laughs> that that so many of us that work from home experience that that I think most people experience when they're not working. You know, they they have this guilt that kind of seeps in and they think, oh, I could be checking my email or, oh, I could be this. But if you delay the start time during the morning, you delay this guilt of not working. And, and so really do delay uh, the start of your workday to when you would normally arrive at the office. It's, it's honestly one of the, and don't check the news during that time because your mind will be in this frenzied state. Maybe save that as a, as a, weird as this might sound, uh, a reward even for, for accomplishing a couple of the more challenging things on your list that day. The news really does defect, uh, affect our happiness later on in the day. And I'm going to butcher the numbers from this this study, uh, but <clears throat> one study conducted by, by Sean Acor out of Harvard University, uh, or at least popularized by him. Uh, what, what the study did is they had people consume, I think it was just two to three minutes of negative news uh, first thing in the morning. And then when they sampled their levels of happiness, eight hours later, they found that the people who consumed the negative news, uh, again, I don't remember the exact number, but I believe it was 26% less happy 
than those who didn't consume anything first thing in the morning. And, and so it, it really does def- affect our mood and happier people are more productive. The, the research shows that people who work in a, in a positive or a neutral state are 31% more productive than everybody else. And so do it for your productivity. Don't, don't even do it for your, for, set your mental health aside for just a second. Um, it's a big thing to set aside, but just look at your productivity. That will be higher too. Yeah, that's a, uh, I think a great, a great learning. And I mean, and the, and the thing is too, is that um, I liken this thinking to kind of uh, the way we treat our cell phones sometimes, or our cell phones in general sometimes, but the idea that I can't go, I can't go anywhere or do anything without having my cell phone on me constantly. And it's like, well, that's not as true as you think, because, you know, everybody brings up, what if there's an emergency? What if there's an emergency? But, you know, more likely than not, you're not a a medical doctor. Um, (laughs) You can't, you can't do anything by getting there five minutes earlier. So if you put your cell phone down for 20 minutes, you're still going to get the important message. They'll get a hold of you eventually. Uh, and 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 that's pretty rare a pretty rare circumstance on itself like so you don't need to check the the news you're not the president you're not the head of the cdc <laughs> there's <laughs> thankfully right yeah right. right yeah yeah it seems like not a fun job right now no <laughs> and uh, and so it's okay if it takes you if you don't read the news for for 3 hours oh absolutely and and i i think the other important thing to to keep in mind is that our devices, especially our phone, uh, they train us into thinking that we're more important than we actually are. Uh, you know, they, they make us feel needed every time we refresh Twitter and we see that little notification badge. Ding! Uh, what could that be? Who liked my thing? Who liked this one sentence that I put out into the world? It doesn't matter who liked it. Um, unless the head of the CDC liked it or the president, you know, whomever. Our devices train us into thinking that we're more important than we actually are because they provide us with this steady stream of, of validation, of feedback that, that our work, honestly, often doesn't. If you look at the structure of our work um, today, it doesn't provide us with enough feedback that, uh, compared to what it used to. You know, uh, somebody who is a mechanic who can open up the hood of a car and fix something with her, his hands, and then hear the, the car running differently after. That's feedback. That is, that's incredible. We don't get that today. Uh, the place that we do get feedback is email. It's our phone. It's every distraction underneath the sun because there's no feedback to writing a 30-page report that will change the uh, structure of the organization that, that we're working with in two to three years' time. You know, by the time the feedback comes along, we've long forgotten about that. Uh, but it, it's so critical to keep in mind that the technology that we own, it, we own it so that it can serve us not so that we can serve it. You know, a technology exists for our convenience, not the convenience of every single person on the planet who wants to contact us in any given moment in the case of our phone. And so keep that in mind as you go about the day. You know, is the phone the first thing that you turn to? This this morning, for an example, uh, my wife and I were both working from home these days, like pretty much everybody else on the planet. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm reading too much news these days. And so it's one of those cases where, oh, I'm not really doing the things, uh, the, the advice that I say 
Uh, and so maybe I should follow my own advice and put the phone in the other room. This happens every every couple of weeks or so. I realize, oh, man, okay, I'm not following this bit of advice I give. And then I realize why, uh, again, why I, I gave the advice in the first place. Because this morning I, I picked up a book from, from my nightstand um, and I got lost in it for 30 or 40 minutes in a time that I usually would have gotten lost on my phone. I walked over to my home office, opened my email. Everything was as it would have been two hours before that point in time. Uh, and so technology trains us to, to think in certain ways that don't make sense uh, in terms of the modern workplace that we all reside inside of. And it's so, so critical to keep that in mind. Yeah, and I and I think that's uh, that's actually partially because we're running out of time. But that's a that's a good no, note to end on. No, we could talk for on. a long time, man. <laughs> <laughs> talk for hours. I feel about this stuff. But I, I guess yes. people have to come to the session. The people do have to come to the session. They have to go. They have to they have to get the deep dive uh, in uh, in June. And uh, in the meantime, of course, you can follow Chris on his website, which is I believe a lifeofproductivity.com. That's correct. Excellent. So you can, if you, if you loved what Chris had to say and you can't wait till June, you can learn a lot more about what he has to say on his website. And, uh, but of course, come to the conference too, uh, because we were, we were going to be talking about, uh, Chris is going to help you be more productive, more focused, and then everything else you're going to learn at the conference, you're going to be able to do it faster and better than everybody who doesn't come to the conference. So that's that's what you that's why you need to look up Chris now and then also come to the conference. So, um, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Once again, everybody, if this discussion was of interest to you, please take the next step and go to staconference.com to learn more about attending the event. And for all ideas related to talent management and HR, check us out at the Human Capital Institute. We're on the web at hci.org. And don't forget to like and rate this uh, podcast wherever you get them. And until next time, I'm Alan Mellish.